Hello listeners, this is Juan Navarro Rivera. Uh, as you know, uh, both Luciano and I are of Puerto Rican origin, uh, both either born there or with parents who come from Puerto Rico. And of course, if you have also listened to the show, you know that half my family, uh, my in-laws are from Mexico. And also, if you have listened to the news, you have realized that in the last week, uh, a major hurricane and a major earthquake have hit both places, respectively. So, in this episode and the next few episodes, uh, which are also dedicated to Hispanic Heritage Month, we want you to urge you to show some secular solidarity with uh, the people of Puerto Rico and Mexico, as well as those also large Latino communities in Texas and Florida that have been affected also by hurricanes this month. Uh, and if you want, if you can, go to the Hispanic Americans Free Thinkers. They have collected a few resources where you can donate money or contribute uh, to the recovery efforts in all of these places. Uh, thank you very much uh, for your attention, for your support, and now to our scheduled show. Welcome to the Benito Juarez Experience. My name is Luciano Gonzalez. With UM Navarro Rivera. And today we are going to be talking about... Hispanic and Latinx communities that have developed around non-believers, secular humanists, atheist agnostics, free thinkers. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about numbers of religious affiliation from Latin America itself, as opposed to just focusing on the United States. And as a reminder, this is part two of our month talking about Hispanic secularism during Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes, yeah, so one of the things we wanted to talk about in this episode, it's a little focus on community, because our first episode was mostly about what is Latinx secularism, a little bit about the sources of data, uh, which we know the ballpark of how many Latinx secular people are out there, and then the challenges of being a visible uh secular Latinx person uh, that it's visible and even having a visible community. And so one of the things that now we know is that according to the latest numbers, 20% of Latinx people are non-religious. This is from the Public Religion Research Institute uh American values at last. These are like hot off the presses at the moment we are recording in early September. And one of the things that I find interesting is that most of those secular Latinos are very young. And this is something that it's not said a lot. I mean, it's there's a, an aspect of uh, that it's said, but the fact is that Latinos are the most, one of the youngest populations overall in the United States. Latinos are a very young cohort in general. But secular Latinos are far younger than any other 
uh, group within the Latino population. And I think that's something that bodes well for the future. Uh, other sources of data, like for example, Pew, shows that most Latinos are living that are living religion are living Catholicism in particular, which is not surprising. But uh, basically what we have in here is a potential community in which one in five Latinos are members. And one of the goals for from not necessarily this episode, but one of the goals of the show is to have other Latinx people to be aware that, you know, you're not alone. Uh, if you're an atheist, you're probably more likely to, if you're an out atheist, you're probably more likely to be part of a community, uh, cause probably you became emboldened on your atheism just by knowing other people who were atheists. That's usually how it happens. But if you're on the fence, like if you're think, having doubts about religion, what we want the people to know is that they're not alone, that there's a lot of people who say that they're non-religious, uh, they even may say that they're superficially believing God. That's one of the things that, that Pew has found uh, when they ask about religious belief and believing God. But all these people who say they believe in God but do not identify as a, with a religion, they behave like atheists, right? They don't go to church. They say religion is not important in their life. They don't pray. Uh, they are functional atheists, but they may... Uh, not be ready to admit to another person, in particular, one body who, somebody who is over the phone telling them, asking them if they believe in God, that they don't believe in God. So we want you to know that you are out there, you're not alone. And whether you believe or don't believe in God, if you're a functional atheist and you think, you know, that you can live a good life without having to go to church and go through a lot of weird rituals, we have your back. One of the most important reasons why we've chosen to talk about this is that both of us have gotten questions in the past, not only about being an atheist, but also about being vocal. I know that I've, I've gotten multiple messages from people, both on my personal Facebook and on my specific page, where I run my own community, where I try to talk about topics related to Latinx religion and Latinx irreligion. I've gotten questions and I've gotten messages from people who told me that they thought for the longest time that they were the only ones. And when I get those messages, I always try to connect them, not only with myself, I not only thank them for searching it, I also tell them to go and connect with the rest of the community. Groups like the Secular Latino Alliance, like Halfrey, like the <clears throat> Chicago Latino Atheists, and the groups in Puerto Rico. These groups all have very important roles. In addition to abdicating for the fact that we exist, they also operate as communities, and they also provide not necessarily a church, it's definitely not a church, but they provide something vaguely akin to that in the sense that they create communities, and they enable people who at the very least disbelieve in the same things that many other people believe in, a chance to come together and to talk about various topics that are important to us and that affect us. You know, that now that you mention all those, you know, some of those examples of those communities, uh, there I have this anecdote that happened when I was working at PRI and was 
doing a project with them that I eventually use for my dissertation research. And we're doing focus groups of religious communities, different groups of Latino uh, religious people and non-religious people. So we have focus groups of Latino Catholics, Latino Protestants, and Latino knowns. Uh, and so we set up the recruitment of, you know, asking people about their religion uh, to kind of like filter those groups. Uh, but people didn't know that they were in a group where everybody was of the same religious group. Uh, and one of the funny things that happened during the non-religious group, one of them, because we ran to, was that everybody at the beginning of the group, and this lasted like an hour, it was the whole session. Uh, and it was mostly about politics, not necessarily about religion, although there was a lot of questions about religion. None of them knew that the other was non-religious, and everybody was very careful about not offending religious sensibilities. Other at except that at some point when one of the everybody kind of started admitting that they were non-religious and I don't know what happened afterwards but everybody was so excited when the group ended that they all left together talking and I don't know if there's now a group infinite that started out <laughs> as a research project that I was running uh, that ended up informing my dissertation. But th this is the importance of these uh, of, of, of these visibility, right? A lot of these people were from the same area and they didn't know anybody else like them. And so it was by serendipity that they all in this group. Uh, and even because they don't know that they're all non-religious, they are still trying to speak the language of the dominant cultural groups so not to offend them i think that's very important because it is challenging navigating the it is not it it's challenging navigating a culture where you disagree with at the very least some of the fundamental tenets that some individuals think the group is founded upon uh, one of the things this this relates to a very common narrative that is <clears throat> that people use that religious people use, and it's the narrative of this country is a Christian nation. Now I live in the South, and where I live, even in Greensboro, which is a fairly liberal area, probably the most religiously diverse city in North Carolina, aside from maybe Charlotte. It's, it's a little bit easier to get away from that and to forget it. But if I go to another town, if I go to Fayetteville, which is the area that I'm originally from, it's very different. And it's frustrating having to navigate this. One of the main reasons why I wanted to become a vocal atheist was so that I could meet other atheists. And then and upon meeting them, I could start to have other individuals whom I could freely converse with when it came to topics like religion without worrying about offending their sensitivities and without worrying about accidentally aggravating someone when I genuinely didn't mean to say something offensive. And it's very important that people feel like they have those sorts of communities, which might be part of the reason that these groups can grow and oftentimes grow explosively. I know that the Secular Latino Alliance has been around since only 2015. 
and it has over 2,000 members. There's a reason for that sort of growth, and it's because there are people out there who are looking for communities where they can be themselves and where they can speak freely, and even if other people disagree with them, those people won't condemn them to hell or something else that, to at the very least us, seems ridiculous. Yeah, and if we, you know, one of the things that I like, uh, I'm not a, uh, I'm going to sound here like the most interesting man in the world. I don't always join Facebook groups, <laughs> but when I do, I join the Secular Latino Alliance. Uh, and <laughs> no, but what I mean is that I, I, I'm not a big fan of joining groups in Facebook, mostly because I, I really, I really don't like using Facebook. I'm more of a Twitter person. Uh, myself, but one of the things I about uh, I like about the Secular Latino Alliance before I even knew you were involved, uh, was that contrary to other groups, I'm not saying that there's something wrong about them, but for many other groups that either I belong that are not necessarily Latinos, like you know, specific atheists or freak thinkers or like skeptics or. Or, or whatnot, and there's already a language and a culture within them. And what I like about the Secular Latino Alliance is that it's basically non-denominational. Like it, it, it's try, it's being tried to be kept and it's moderated in a way that it's safe for people who are on the fence to be there, like exploring uh, people who are also non-religious. But you know, you, you're not bashing people who. I mean, there's always somebody in the group, but but it's very good at self-regulating in terms of, you know, we're trying to keep it safe for people to ask questions, for people to, uh, you know, to getting to know others that also have doubts, not just people who already made made up their minds that, you know, religions is BS. Uh, and I think that's a very important aspect and why it has been so successful. I think that that's one of the very, I think that that's one of the strong suits of the moderators. Not myself so much necessarily, although I actually am fairly solid at communicating like one on one. But in my writing, I probably come off as fairly aggressive towards religion. And I think that the different moderators of the group, especially Sal and Tracy, when it comes to dealing with religion in a sophisticated and nuanced way, that's something that they're particularly good at, as opposed to me and Jesus, the other two main administrators, who generally, at the very least when it comes to religion, like publicly, were probably more aggressive than the two of them are. And I feel like there are reasons for that that make sense. But I am more than capable of communicating, and I actually love communicating with people who believe, who have questions about religion that's probably my personal like specialty because i talk about atheism nonstop. so many times i've had to explain to people who have questions about what an atheist believes happens after death which is of course a very tricky thing to say because there is no single answer to that i have met atheists who believe that they're afterlives i have met atheists who believe in ghosts i just haven't met an atheist who believes in God, because that's not what an atheist is. <laughs> you just left me speechless with the ghost thing. <laughs> no, it's so true. Like, I have, met, I have met people who refuse to believe. They're the hardest core non-believers. 
and they they will bash religion at every turn, but they have the hardest time seriously contemplating that there is nothing after death, or at the very least that that's a possibility. I wonder if they just watch a lot of Guillermo del Toro movies. <laughs> uh, but no, but but going back to the communities, uh, yes. So that that's I think one of the important one of the important aspects of of, of these particular, especially the Sacred Latino Alliance, uh, how how they have built it, and I think the fact that. In the, using the Sacred Latino Alliance as an example, but I think the internet has, you know, a lot of people have been, is, scholars have been talking about how the internet has helped the growth of the knowns in the United States in particular, uh, mostly because a lot of information is out there, like, you know, a lot of Mormons leaving the church uh, of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, over, like, reading stuff. A lot of Scientology information, although there's never been many of them. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, and but uh, you know the, the, there's this assumption that people are kind of like looking for this information uh, and to actively leave religion. And what I think has been less stressed, or at least I haven't seen much, is the internet as a factor of people realizing that they're not alone and they can be in these, uh, you know, virtual communities, even if the, you know, if you are the only secular Latinx person in Greensboro, <laughs> North Carolina, <laughs> you can still hang out with, uh, Solis in Kansas, right? I think, uh, yeah. which he's probably the only Latino <laughs> secular <laughs> there. Uh, So there's you know, there, there's this aspect of the internet helping people uh, find these communities that otherwise they wouldn't be able to safely look for. Because I think there's another aspect of privilege which I, you and I share, which is and 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 probably mostly you know and, and more example of me that. You, you left religion, if I am not wrong, when you were in college. And that gives you a sort of safe space to do this kind of thing. Because if you're in college, you're going to meet a lot of non-religious people by accident. <laughs> uh, and it, 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 it's, a, it, 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 it's an institution where you feel more, well, unless you're in Liberty University, where you're going to feel more safe to say and explore those kind of ideas in my case also like you know i basically spent my whole adult life in universities either as a student or a professor or like uh, an employee so uh these are you know this is something that people who don't spend their lives in these kind of institutions the internet is actually a very good place to start exploring and and feeling safer in the way that they think and the way they express themselves. So I want to spend probably the rest of the episode talking about religion and religion in Latin America. I think this is a topic that unless you, unless you have primer knowledge, unless you have previous knowledge of this, you probably aren't going to be aware of some of the specifics that we're going to be talking about. So for anyone who wants to go and read the data themselves, 
the main resource that I am going to be using for this particular segment is a Pew Forum named Religion in Latin America. It was published November 13th, 2014, and it talks about numbers. I don't know if you have a more recent example or a more recent study, but the one that I have has numbers generally by country. Yes, there's no, I can say safely, that there's no other report like this. Uh, there are other surveys of Latin America that have religious information. They're not as good as Pew's. Uh, so I think this is, for lack of a better word, the Bible uh, on this particular subject. So wait, by that do you mean that it's something that lots of people believe, but the historicity of it is questionable at best? No, that they just think it's the main thing going on. <laughs> the only game in town, as, as as political scientists like to say. The only game and the only throne. Um, so I want to start off by talking about Uruguay, because Uruguay is particularly interesting in this, in the sense that almost two-fifths of Uruguayans say that they have no particular religion or are atheist or agnostic. And this specific, this specific study talks and mentions that in no other Latin American country do the religiously unaffiliated make up even a fifth of the population, but in Uruguay they make up not half, but two-fifths of the people. Yeah, Uruguay has always been an interesting subject. This is something that I've been obsessed since since back in my days at IEEC. And actually, uh, one of uh, we used to have these dinner seminars uh, back in Connecticut, uh, in Hartford, and one of them was dedicated to Uruguay. And we actually had a professor. Uh, Tom Harrington from Trinity College uh, talking about potential sources of irreligion in Uruguay uh, in his uh, explanation or his view of the events he, th he traces it back uh, to uh, a lot of uh, Catalan immigration to Uruguay and, and that, that in that region in particular in Spain there was a lot of hostility toward the church uh, in Catalonia and that basically the, the, the seeds of sort of anti-religious rebellion and at least irreligiosity are planted by this particular generation of, of immigrants who were to a large extent anti-clerical uh, I don't know if that's true. Uh, I, I I don't have like a you know a genealogical study of Uruguay, but certainly has been a very interesting place. It's also a place where uh, Pepe Mujica, Jose Pepe Mujica, who was their previous president, uh, was an openly atheist person. Uh, so it's it's a quite interesting place within Latin America, and one that uh, it's 
probably one that I want to take my, my my first vacation with my son when you know he's old enough to handle that kind of trip. I think that that's I think that that's a very good intro to Uruguay. I'm sure that there are resources out there that exist talk specifically about Uruguay that provided a lot more context than I was specifically aware of. So I'm glad that you were able to go and sort of break that down, or at the very least talk about what that particular person said. Because I I know a very tiny bit of the history of Uruguay, and I understand that there are reasons why a religion is so popular, relatively speaking, especially in comparison to the rest of Latin America, why it's so popular over there as opposed to everything else. Um, the Pew Research article actually talks about uh, political political events in Uruguay and political events specifically that impact secularism and opinions of secularism. It doesn't talk about general politics. And all of that, what all of what you just said was pretty much confirmed by that particular breaking down of what's going on in Uruguay, or at the very least, what was going on in Uruguay almost three years ago. Yes, and other than Uruguay, like uh, you know, what, one of the interesting things in in Latin America is that even when there is not a lot of non-religious people, in particular, uh, with the exception of Uruguay, Uruguay is gonna like the outlier. Most countries is probably roughly in the. 10 percentage, 10, 15 percentage. Uh, and then there are places like Puerto Rico that is less than 10 percent. Uh, and uh, Colombia, Guatemala, uh, Bolivia, Paraguay is totally just 1 percent. Uh, that there's still, even that in, in general, a strong. Uh, kind of like separationist, uh, like commitment to church and state separation in many countries, even when they don't have a particularly large secular cohort. Uh, and I'm thinking particularly Mexico, where the secular cohort is not as big as you would expect. Uh, and I'm missing here where Mexico, uh, they actually reported around 7%. I've seen places where in Mexico it actually shows up in the 10, 12%. Uh, so, you know, it may be a, a, a matter of margin of error. Um, but there's still a strong uh, separation of church and state. Um, what do you call it? Uh, views and and the importance of keeping things separated, it's actually uh, uh, from the state, like the participation of the religion in the state is actually something that it's uh, frowned upon uh, still, in even in places where like religious identification is particularly high. So uh, some of the interesting things that show up on uh, the area where it breaks it down both by country and by specific groups that it's talking about 
is that if you're looking at, there's only two places where it's less than half Catholic. And if you are just trying to guess randomly, you probably wouldn't guess what the other country that's less than half Catholic is. Uruguay is one of them. And actually, Honduras is the other. Honduras's specific numbers are 46% Catholic, 41% Protestant, 10% unaffiliated, and 2% other. That 10% unaffiliated is roughly in the middle because the lowest, uh, the lowest unaffiliated is Paraguay, where it's predominantly Catholic with 7% Protestant, 2% other, and 1% unaffiliated. And then the country with the highest aside from Uruguay, where it's unaffiliated, is the Dominican Republic and the U.S. Hispanics, which are tied at 18% unaffiliated. Yes, and, uh, you know, one of the things why many of the... Like, there's countries... uh, Honduras is less than half Catholic, and then there you have El Salvador, Guatemala, and Nicaragua. So those... uh, Central America has been the region where, like, Pentecostals and Protestants, but specifically Pentecostals, have gained a lot of... uh, ground in 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 recent decades so that's the reason those countries have like the lowest levels of catholic identification with dominican republic uh i actually seen other surveys like i believe one one of them was the world value surveys or latino barometro where they actually have a lower percentage of uh unaffiliated so that that's kind of interesting uh but for example, places that actually surprised me, I was expecting that Argentina would have more than 11% on affiliated. Uh, Chile at 16%. Also, I was kind of like hoping that Chile was going to be a little bit higher. Uh, but, but then again, the question is, especially in Latin America, where a lot of the surveys are done face-to-face, is how many people are willing to call themselves non-religious in a lot of these contexts. Uh, That's actually something that I was going to mention myself. Also, uh, the numbers, I know that at the very least, a few of nations have tried to They've at the very least attempted to keep track of the numbers within themselves. I know that there are individuals in Chile, in Costa Rica, in Honduras, and in Guatemala who are trying to get accurate numbers. Of course, this isn't exactly an easy thing to do for a variety of reasons that both me and you know about, not to mention specific instances that are affecting each of the countries that would complicate matters further than just the difficulties of going into a country and trying to figure out who believes what. But I do know that there are institutions that are interested in these numbers that want them. I don't know if they've had any success in getting them. They probably haven't. But these numbers are very interesting, especially I know that with the specific knowledge I have of Honduras, both from living there and actually researching it, I'm surprised that the number of people who are other is 2%, because that includes, I don't know if the Protestant label, I don't know what churches that includes. I would have thought that the Protestant number, by now it's probably a little bit higher than 41%. 
and the other the other at two percent is kind of tripping me up for Honduras because I don't think that it's two percent. I always pictured that it would have been around three or four percent because Honduras Honduras has a very strong population of Palestinians and other people from the Middle East who will immigrate there and who immigrated there decades ago and who have been generally investing money both in themselves and in the country, and they've been gradually increasing their influence. There is not a large population of Muslims in Honduras, but it's probably around, it's probably at least a couple percentages within the other just by Muslims. And also there's a strong Mormon presence not a strong Mormon well, Mormons are Protestant in this definition. Oh, okay. So that's why. All right. That makes a little bit more sense then. But also, you got to remember, like, when a population at estimated at 2%, the margin of error within that population is huge. So it actually may be 4 or 5 as well. And, and they're harder to capture. So you... you you know, you got to think in terms of survey methodology here. Yeah. So, which is why, you know, this is, you, you got to think in, in two terms, right? What the, the point I mentioned before, which is in Latin America, a lot of the surveys are done face to face. And so a lot of marginalized or at least small communities may be either less willing to answer uh, a survey like this, uh, which in Central America, wouldn't surprise me if, like, doing face-to-face surveys, it's a little bit tricky uh, due to potential trust issues with people coming into your house. Uh, and with, you know, the particular, especially very recent history of violence. So... You know, I, I, you know, this is not to take anything from this study, which is humongous and it's very important and very comprehensive and very well done. But we also have to be, I, I don't want to make this into a methodological podcast, but, you know, we got to be aware of the limitations. Uh, and especially in face to face interviews, we know that people who are from minority communities, whether they're religious or ethnic or, uh, sexual or otherwise, they are, be less likely to out themselves to a stranger that is asking some questions in a questioner because you don't know how legit those surveys are. So I think that it's about time that we probably start wrapping today's episode up. I We are going to be sharing the surveys that we used in the last two episodes in this one as well. We're going to specifically mark this one, so that way anyone who's interested in as much minutia as possible when it comes to religious identification in Latin America will be able to look at it themselves, come to their own conclusions, and tell us what they think. Uh, I have two questions for our listeners today. One of the questions is a two-parter. Have you ever been to a meeting of non-believers in general, if you are a non-Hispanic listener? or a Hispanic meeting of secular individuals in your area, wherever that happens to be. And the other part is, did you know the information, just like the last time, did you know the information that you were presented with today? If you didn't, when you made predictions about it, 
were you in the ballpark with your predictions or were you completely caught off guard with the information that you were that you learned through today's podcast? Yeah, and I have a question for all of you and it's uh what type of communities actually you are interested in? Are you interested in specific secular identities, uh such as atheists or skeptics or uh, humanist, or you're actually more interested in knowing other people who are non-religious uh, without a specific focus. All right. This has been the Benito Juarez Experience with Luciano Joshua Gonzalez and Juem Navarro Rivera. And remember to like the podcast, to share it with your friends, and if you really want to help us out, to leave reviews of it. Let your let people who are about to start listening to it know what you think and whether or not it's worth their time. And we hope you say it's worth your time. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Bye.